This is Bracket Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome into another edition of Bragging Rights. We are back after what feels like the longest offseason ever to discuss the almost extinct Pac-12. Who will be the teams and the players to watch out for? Who has something to prove and much more? I say extinct because this past week has been earth shattering if you are a fan of West Coast football, but uh, we won't get into all of that right now. We'll get into more of the X's and O's because I know everybody in the world is covering the conference realignment stuff, and I'm sure we'll touch on it. But uh, we're going to revel in regionality while we still can before things get absolutely crazy. Before we get into all things out there on the West Coast, I need to introduce my co-host. I'm Madison. I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, it's it's an exciting time. Obviously, I'm ready to put all this BS behind me in regards to conference realignment. I mean, this is the time where you start ramping up for the season and and you're getting news from practices and all that, and you're getting really excited for the season. And we just keep getting update after update after update of uh, you know this team going there and this team going to this conference, and it's just it's gotten pretty old. I'm I'm pretty tired of seeing all the news. So this is a little bit more normalcy, and and I'm excited to jump back into it. It feels like you got NFL uh, preseason games here tomorrow, Friday and Saturday. Um, and it just feels like everything's here. So excited to jump in and discuss what now is uh, no longer a conference after next season, but uh, you know, still an exciting conference, probably the conference of the quarterback conference of the quarterback. That is bold. Probably not untrue. Obviously you've got reigning Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. there still uh, with USC and uh, a, a phenomenal quarterback coach that just churns out I say quarterback coach, he's his head ball coach, but he's a quarterback developer, I should say, who just churns out Heisman contenders. So he's already the odds-on favorite to uh, to take it home again, but that's not to be outdone. There's several other in this uh, conference that could potentially give him a run for his money, to your point. But that's kind of the MO of, of, of what we've seen and gotten used to in the Pac-12 is, is high-flying offenses, a lot of passing, uh, not a ton of defense out there on the West Coast. Uh, so I'm going to be sad to lose that. It's going to be really weird to watch uh, USC go play a snow game in Rutgers, uh, or at Rutgers, I should say, uh, when when all of all is said and done, and uh, you got four teams of the Pac-12 joining the Big Ten, and uh, who knows, the Big Ten might not be done. We'll see what happens with Clemson and Florida State. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it, Pierce. Let's talk about the conference of the quarterback different format that we've done in the past. Usually we go through and we talk about the, uh, you know, the teams and prediction of finish and we break down every single team, super, super in depth. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we just don't need to do that. I don't think y'all really need to hear us breaking down what Cal has in store for this season, uh, let alone Stanford who went three of nine last year. So we're not going to do all of that. We're going to do something a little bit more high level. We're going to go through, we're going to, answer questions and topics about each conference. Uh, and to start it all off, Pierce, we, we're just going to jump right in. What's the most intriguing team, the most intriguing storylines, most intriguing team, whether it's the players, maybe it's the coaches, maybe it's the fact that this is their last year playing out West before they have to go play a different style of, of uh, football. Who knows? But what's, what is it? Whatever the classification, I should say that it is, what is your most intriguing team in the Pac-12? 
man, there's a number of different ways you can go with this one. Um, there's a lot of intriguing stuff going on in the Pac-12, not just the conference realignment. Um, you know, can USC get over the hump? Um, how is Deion Sanders going to do? You know, how's Arizona? I think Arizona might be better. But the most intriguing one and the one I still have some questions about, because it's not a traditional powerhouse, is Oregon State. Obviously, they brought in DJ Uyunglele. Um, We'll see how he does out there in more of a, um, you know, up-tempo, let-it-fly type of, uh, of conference. Um, not to say he didn't do that at Clemson, but let's see if going uh, trading coasts ends up kind of making a difference for him, a new change of scenery, and he opens up. But regardless, even if he doesn't end up being QB number one, I think uh, their backup quarterback, his name slipped in my mind, is just as good. They've got a great running back in Damian Martinez, who's back for his sophomore season, um, and, and they really return a good number of guys. I think this is a team who is a sneaky, under-the-radar pick to, to, to compete for the Pac-12 championship this year. Um, I know it's hard to, to kind of come to grips with that. I've struggled all offseason when, uh, you know, listening to other content and other things and doing research and Oregon State being mentioned that highly. Um, you know, had a good season last year. I do think they're getting a little bit of um, a pump-up because of how they dismantled Florida. But if you remember in that bowl game, Florida didn't want to be there. They had a lot of people opt out. Um, Billy Napier's first season. You know, when you have a season like that, uh, towards the end of the season, the kids can just kind of quit on you. And they certainly did, as Oregon State really had no problem beating Florida. So I am a little bit wary of them being propped up as a result of their dismantling of Florida. But they've got a lot of good weapons um, returning. I like the head coach. I like what he's been able to do. And, I mean, heck, I think they, what, had eight or nine wins last season? They could be pushing for that 10, uh, 10, 10 win season this year, um, which could be a very, very fun, you know, a change of pace, something different, a new team that that's going to be in the mix. That's fun to talk about. So um, I've got the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I know I said from the outset we weren't going to talk conference realignment, but here I am bringing it up already with our first topic. That's one of those teams, Pierce, that potentially is sitting here going, are we about to get left out of this whole Super League um, you know, type situation, they, it would be a shame to see, but it kind of feels like that's how the cookie's going to crumble potentially for them. So uh, outside of just what's going to happen on the field, it's also interesting to see what's going to happen to an Oregon state who quite frankly, is not on the same playing field as Cal. Cal makes sense to get left out. Oregon state, you'd like to see find a home somewhere. If that is in fact, where we're heading to a two conference, three conference type league. So I think that's a really good pick. Um, and I'll be very interested, interested to see DJ, uh, to your point, to see what he looks like in a different scheme. You know, he's somebody who was supposed to be this light the world on fire quarterback and then really didn't pan out at Clemson. And, and who knows if that's an amalgamation of several different things, but it'll be interesting to see him in Corvallis. My most intriguing team, I really am waffling back and forth on this. There's two ways you can go with this in my mind for what I'm the most interested in. One is USC. Obviously, with what they did last year, everybody they were right on the precipice, Pierce, of even of making the playoffs. They were right there. I think they would have gotten killed for what it's worth, but they were right there. They just didn't have the defense. That's Lincoln Riley's MO. He never has the defense. Caleb Williams, like I said, odds-on favorite to be the Heisman winner again and go back-to-back, back. and that would be a great bet. You know, He's not going to be great value, but he's going to be a great bet for you if you are interested in that kind of thing. Losing Jordan Addison, though, so that's going to be a little bit of a blow. You know, they're not going to have that same high caliber receiver that they're used to having. But really, to me, Pierce, the most intriguing team is the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, 
I never would have thought that <laughs> 24 months ago, I mean, 18 months ago, hell, even maybe even 12 months ago that I'd be saying the Colorado Buffaloes are one of the most intriguing teams in the Pac-12, but that's where we sit because of who is at the helm now for them. And that, of course, is being Deion Sanders. He brings in a lot of uh, focus because he's such a character in the college football world and college football and sports sphere in general, I should say. He brings in a magnifying glass on the programs he's at. We saw that at Jackson State. Now he's here at Colorado. A lot of drama in the offseason about what he said to his uh, team when he came in about pack your bags, I'm bringing my own luggage, that kind of thing. Who cares? All I know is put up or shut up. You finally have that power five job. Let's see what you've got to, to uh, you know bring to, to the world of college football, major college football. His son, Shador Sanders, is uh, going to be an interesting one to watch. I do think he's going to be very good. I, I just I just think he is. He's someone who you would you can get really good value for right now, by the way, um, for a, a Heisman, probably even a finalist at this point. He'd be one that I would think about sprinkling some money on if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, Dion also, because of the caliber of who he is, has brought in a lot through the transfer portal. Travis Hunter uh, is is going to be there in the gold and black for the Buffs. Uh, we saw what he did at Jackson State. Obviously, I know him well because he was supposed to be a, a Florida State Seminole, and he got stolen from us. That's fine. Uh, so, yeah, that's my most intriguing team. We'll see. I don't think it's going to be a good year if you're a Buffs fan. But it is going to be interesting to see kind of how they handle it. And maybe they can shock the world. Um, but I just think when you're, you know, it's not like he was born on third base with this job. So we'll see kind of how he responds to that and what they do. Um, you know, it's easy right now to get commits when there's all this sparkle and stuff. But when you start losing games, will those commits stay? And that's what I'll be interested to see what happens there in Boulder. All right, Pierce, the next topic we want to tackle. First of all, anything to add about the uh, intriguing team? Before I move on, um, I do want to go back real quick. I, I will add a little bit to Colorado, but Oregon State did get to the 10 win mark last year, but that includes the bowl. So fair. I'm talking about the regular season. And if you think about it, they also were um, you know, only lost to USC and I believe Oregon by three points last year. Um, so so love love that Oregon State play potentially getting over that hump this year and um, really, really making some noise. But yeah, the Colorado one's interesting. Um, you know, wherever Dion goes, the cameras are going to follow and there's going to be a lot of hype. And, um, I mean, some of it's earned obviously, um, with how he did at Jackson state, this is totally different animal. Um, I do like the fact that they're moving into the big 12. I think that's a better fit for them. Um, but again, I mean, they, they pretty much raided or, or got rid of their entire team from last year and, and brought in a lot of transfers. How do they gel? How do they, they, you know, mesh together and, and mold into a team? I'm not sure. I, I, you're hearing a lot of stuff about Shador Sanders, which is, is definitely promising, but you know, it's practice. How good can he really be taking a jump up from Jackson state to Colorado in his first, you know, especially the first few games, um, maybe by the end of the season, kind of, kind of treating him like a, a freshman in a way this year, um, which is probably not fair, but it's such a step up in, in talent level that I think he could get off to a bit of a slow start. Um, obviously Travis Hunter's a very polarizing figure. Um, he's going to play both ways. We'll see how long that lasts in a more physical, uh, 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 you know, D one style football. Um, we'll see. I think it's going to be a long year for Colorado, but I love that pick because 
wherever, uh, like I said, wherever Dion goes, drama and the cameras follow. So it's uh, sure to be exciting. Literally, he has his own camera crew that follows him around. So it will definitely be exciting for a Colorado team that hasn't been good in a while. And and surprisingly, if you just are new to the sport, and we're, we're younger. I, I'm definitely newer to the sport than you. Didn't grow up necessarily as into it as I got when I hit college. Um, but uh, they used to be good. So we'll see if he's able to restore any glory there. Um, all right, let's move on to our next topic, which is the most anticipated game here for any of the Pac-12 schools. Doesn't have to be a Pac-12 versus Pac-12 matchup, just in general. Most anticipated game for a team coming out of this conference. Uh, I'll let you go first. I know that you had uh, had some interesting ones. Game slash games. What are your most anticipated? Yeah, so there are a number of different ways you can go with this one, as we spoke about uh, pre-podcast. Um, there's certainly a couple great non-conference games. That Oregon-Texas Tech game, Week 2 in Lubbock, is is one I've got circled. You're going to learn a lot about both teams that night, whether uh, Oregon can come out and, and looks like the real deal and wins that game, or they lose and they could be in for a more of a mediocre season. Um, and then Texas Tech is also kind of a sleeper. But with this one, I wanted to stay in conference between the uh, – you have two conference teams in here. Um, I have three, but I'm probably going to have to go with USC at Oregon. Um, you know, I think that's the spot where you look that USC, if they're going to get tripped up, it's probably on the road at Oregon. Oregon's a tough place to play. Um, USC was fortunate to get them at home last year. Um, and if you look, they they do have a pretty fortunate schedule. schedule. Um, Oregon Oregon's going to play, come out and try to you know play spoiler that game, and who knows, they might be in a spot to beat USC and take that you know be the number one team in that Pac-12. So um, that's the one I have circled a little later in the year. That could be a really really good game and a fun one between you know high flying uh, USC offense. And, um, you know, with the, the little defense that USC plays, Oregon ought to put up a lot of points, too. So, you know, the Pac-12 after dark saying that's going to be one where there's going to be some fireworks. Well, I'll go. I'll stay with Oregon. I'm going to move away from USC, but I'm going to stay with Oregon. And I'm going to circle on October 14th their trip up to Seattle to take on the Washington Huskies. Obviously, the way that it ended last year was super exciting. If you were a Huskies fan, not so much if you were a Ducks fan. Uh, with the Huskies scoring 10 points in the final four minutes to win that game. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a get-right spot for Oregon, potentially. But also, that's a team we didn't talk about with most intriguing, who has the potential to do some damage. I mean, they're going to be, I think, the preseason polls that just came out, I think they might be top 10. and They're at least top 15, I know that much. So a lot of people, this is a that's a fun, uh, a surprising sleeper pick, kind of, maybe. Not, not surprising, but a surprising slash sleeper, sleeper pick. As far as people being like, hey, maybe Oregon, you know, we'll see with Bo Nix, Dan Lanning's getting getting his regime more intact there. Um, and so that could be a big one for both of those teams. On the flip side of things, you've got with Washington, Michael Penix Jr., who also had a very good season last year after kind of laying a bunch of eggs at Indiana. So he's got a lot on his uh, mind as far as resume building and, and, and hopes and dreams for the season. So that one's going to be, I think, a bloodbath. Um, and I think that's one that the ducks are going to have circled because of the way it ended. And I think both these teams are going to be fighting down the stretch. Uh, and so I, I got that one circled as a very fun matchup, uh, there in the middle, right dead smack in the middle of the season too. So, you know, still time to bounce back if that's your only loss, but, uh, both those teams going to be out for blood. All right, let's move it along here. Pierce, who is the team slash the person could be a player, could be a coach. 
has the most to prove slash is on the hottest seat in your mind? Ooh, okay. I didn't take into account the hottest seat, um, but I, I, you got to think, okay, here's how I'll tie that in. Yeah. It's got to be USC. It's got to be Lincoln Riley. And um, and the D coordinator, uh, I think it's Alex Grinch, has got to be on the hot seat this year. Um, he came into Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, and people heralded him as the guy that was going to be able to turn the defense around there. It did not pan out that way. Um, and, and he follows Lincoln Riley to USC. USC has every chance to make the playoff this year from an offensive standpoint. It's the defensive side of things. And it's not necessarily do they have talent. It's more of a want to to get in there and get physical and and make you know the difficult tackles. And too many times last year, you saw USC players just come in very weak, not not wrap up, um, and 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 they got hurt as a result. I mean, Utah really took advantage of them in that Pac-12 championship as a result because Utah plays more of a physical brand of football, and and was you know, hey USC, give us your best shot. We're going to give you ours, and they just ran right through USC, and and it was kind of sad. USC's defense almost looked like they laid down in that game, and and that's kind of how it was all season. So, um, last season was was a weird one because they did have so many turnovers. Um, they forced a ton of turnovers, and that was kind of that's what hit a lot of the defense deficiencies early on. And then boy, when they stopped getting those turnovers, uh, it, it really turned South quick. So I, I think it's gotta be USC. I know that's a layup answer, but um, you know, as with every Lincoln Riley team, regardless of the def- defensive coordinator, he's never been able to have a physical brand of football on the defensive side in particular. Um, is this the year? I'm not sure, but it's, it better turn around at least a, a little bit or else, Grinch could be uh, could be out there in L.A. I think that's a great one. And to your point, layup. But there's a reason things are layups is because it's what everybody's thinking. I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. I was going to go with Dion, but I already hit on that in the first uh, little bit of the podcast. So I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to talk about a team we haven't talked about yet, Pierce. And I think it's UCLA. Uh, reason being, they are one of the teams aforementioned that will be going to the Big Ten. Chip Kelly obviously is uh, not, he's not foreign to succeeding in the Pac-12. I'll be interested to see what he's able to do playing a different style. Uh, I watched Chip Kelly's career very closely at Oregon. Um, Thought he was a fantastic head ball coach, obviously did not do well in the NFL. uh, And then he settled back here at UCLA and things have been okay. Um, You know, they're not lighting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination, what we know is they went and the Big Ten went and got UCLA because of the television market of getting LA. I don't think UCLA would have been their first bet potentially to get, uh, maybe more so for basketball than football, which is not the best vote of confidence in Chip Kelly. But we'll just be interested to see. They've got some attrition here on, um, especially on uh, offense with a, uh, you know, DTR is gone. Um, so, the, you know, they're going to have to plug in some holes. And I just think in general, you see statistically coaches either win a national championship five within the first five years of being at a school. Now this is not always, but statistically you see it first five years of being in a school or it takes them like 15 years. That's a long time. That's not a statistic. I think that's going to be upheld here in this day and age of college football. You see coaches getting fired after a couple of years. I mean, we we saw Brian Harson get fired in record pace. So uh, I don't think that he's going to necessarily make it to year 15, especially with the new caliber of competition with them having to travel out East. So I think this is a big year for him to 
kind of get his ducks in a row before having to move on and start playing a different kind of style of, of, um, of football. And he's another, he's a guy who is more of an offensive mind. So uh, he's going to have to shift that a little bit too. So that's my reason being, I know you're going to talk about uh, a, a player for UCLA when we talk about our, our players to put on your radar. So I won't get too far into that and talk about their, uh, their roster too much, but I don't know. It just, it just feels like a little bit of a put up or shut up for Chip Kelly of like, you, you got to turn the corner a little bit this year, just just a little bit this year, um, in order for me to believe in what's happening down there with the Bruins. Um, anything to add here before we move on? I, I want to give you space to comment on uh, the UCLA pick if you've got anything to add. I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think that's a, a smart pick too. If <laughs> we're staying in SoCal <clears throat> for these uh, two answers. You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you thought that last year was going to be the year for Chip Kelly to really, uh, you know, I'm not going to say turn things around, but to to hit it big. You know, you had you had Dorian Thompson Robinson back. You had some good players returning. I, I thought they were going to be a little bit more complete, um, and and they struggled at times. Now they had a, an okay season. Um, we'll see how they start off. I think that could be a big thing um, because they did get Dante Moore, the the highly touted quarterback from the state of Michigan, who I believe was a top three uh, quarterback in the country last year. Um, and and from everything that I've heard. He's a dude, and and I think when he comes in, I'm not sure he'll start the season. I don't think he'll start the season as the starter, um, but at some point, I think he's just too good not to play, and he may take some lumps you know, in a few games, but I think that will be kind of a savior for Chip Kelly um, because he'll show flashes, and who knows? He may be in a, in a conference that doesn't play very much defense. Maybe he lights it up in year one. Um, so while I don't think they're going to have a 10-11 win season, you know, I think there could be uh, could be good signs pointing towards the future for from a from a quarterback standpoint, and certainly that's kind of where <clears throat> everything flows in a Chip Kelly offense. Is you got to have a competent quarterback, and it seems that they might have found one. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. All right, let's move it along. The dudes of the conference. These are the players that we think you need to mark with a highlighter. Uh, their names you're going to hear a lot, so get acquainted with them right now. Um, I know you've got a bigger list than me, so I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away, and I'll just add if I if you miss anything. Okay, well, I could take a ton. I, I think when you're talking dudes, you got to start with the top three quarterbacks in the conference. Caleb Williams, Michael Penix at Washington, and Bo Nix. No, go figure. Those are the three. Um, you know, I said Pac-12 might be the the conference of the quarterback, um, and and those three right there are as good of a three that you'll see in in any conference. I mean, I, I name a better top three quarterbacks in any conference other than the Pac-12. I, I don't know if there's any better. Um, love Damian Martinez, running back out of Oregon State, freshman last season, ran for over a thousand yards. Plays a very physical, uh, you know, physical brand of football from the running back position. Isn't one of those little scat backs, you know, runs downhill, runs with good pad leverage. Um, got some good, good wide receivers. Um, Rome Adunzi, I think is how you pronounce it from Washington's a good one. Um, Jacob Cowan at Arizona. And then flipping to the defensive side of the ball, um, Braylon Trice at Washington could be a top 15 pick next year. Um, that That is your definition of a dude. Um, and then you've got some good ones on the back end. Kalen Bullock for USC and Cole Bishop for Utah, locking things down from the safety position. Um, and, and there's a couple other really good ones, too. I think one person that could be in the in that elite dude category when all is said and done, we'll see. I know we're a little biased, but Barry Alexander um, at USC, you never know. Um, so they've got um, I, just looking at their preseason first, second, third, and fourth team rankings. I think that um, 
I think this this is a better conference top to bottom this year, which just makes it all the more uh, disappointing that they're disbanding the conference. Yeah, I, I, I alluded to it earlier, but Latu uh, there on defense for UCLA linebacker. Mm-hmm. I, did, I don't think you mentioned that one. I said Travis Hunter when it came to Colorado. That's a player who could be on the starting uh, be at starting position for any team in the country. That's how talented he is. He just so happens to have hitched his wagon to Deion Sanders. So he's going to make some waves there. He's a name you're going to hear with Colorado. Um, and then a running back Pierce, uh, Bucky Irving for uh, Oregon. I think if he's got a good season this year, that's going to really help Bo Nix and the passing game uh, open things up for him. Um, we'll just hope that they don't have a meltdown like they did last year. Cause they looked really freaking good. Um, or not a meltdown. I should say, let's hope they get off to a better start than they did last year because they looked really good down the stretch uh, there with the Ducks. All right, so those are the dudes of the conference. Now it's time for just some slay predictions. We're not going to make predictions as far as who's going to win the conference and stuff. You'll have to stay tuned for that. But here is just kind of predictions of, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put my put it put it on the line. I'm going to go ahead and I'd I'd be willing to put a, a couple bucks on the, this these teams being uh, good and or bad. So who is your prediction of the best team? In the Pac-12. So I guess this is kind of your winner. This is kind of your winner. I was going to say, I was going to have to lead with, well, I went with exactly what you said we weren't doing. Um, I've got USC winning the conference. But if if you want to get fun, though, um, I do think that this is a year where you could see Washington win the conference. Um they return 15 starters back. Unfortunately, they do get uh, uh, they do have a much tougher schedule this year. Um, they do have to play USC and Utah, so I'm not sure they can get through unscathed there. Um, but going 11 and two last year with a with a win over um, over Texas in the bowl, Penix is back, which is a big thing. Um, you saw how good he was when he went out to Washington in his first year and reunited with his offensive coordinator that he had his freshman season in Indiana when they had so much success during the COVID year. Um, I, I think there's a very good chance that if Washington can navigate some of their more difficult games, Washington has a chance to finish in that top two. And when you get a second shot or when you get a shot at USC, hey, you never know what might happen, especially with Washington. When you look at their defense, they have some dudes on defense, and I think they might be able to stack up better with, um, you know, not stopping, but maybe containing or corralling. Caleb Williams a little bit better um and and you know if USC can't play any defense I I think there's a realistic shot that Washington is um playing for the the conference championship this season um probably against USC and a very realistic shot that they could win that um barring a bunch of injuries or anything crazy that happens because this is a very talented uh Washington team I agree I I think that that was going to be kind of my if you went USC and went chalk I was going to say Washington just just for for but you covered it. I'm not gonna not gonna be a uh, <laughs> dead horse there. Uh, Oregon is one that I think that you can't necessarily write off. I just really think that they have something special. I think that they could be a team that you see lightning in a bottle. But I agree with you. I think it's USC's to lose. And I do think at the end of the day, when the dust settles, I think USC is standing atop uh, the Pac-12. Defense be damned. I think that that's just the level of quarterback play they're going to have um, and continue to have. Uh, so that's that's my. My bet too is the for the best team, but I think that maybe, 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 maybe Washington or Oregon can do something uh, to shake things up. All right, let's talk about the worst team. Now, this is a team that is not going to have a good season. Go ahead and pack it up. Um, I mean, 
I think we'll probably have the same one, but go ahead and hit us with your worst. You know, it's going to be a two two horse race, in my opinion, um, for who's going to be in the basement of this conference this season. I think the easy answer would probably be Colorado, and that's what I, I pre show we we talked about, and I mentioned that was mine. I'm going to go Stanford with this one. Um, there, you always hesitate a little bit with that uh, that that new head coach bump. David Shaw clearly, you know, clearly didn't have it in him to to turn this thing around and to get back into the upper echelon of the Pac-12. Seemed like COVID really kind of took him out of the, uh, of things, and and he kind of lost the passion there. And, and he was there for a long time. I saw it at TCU with Gary Patterson. You know, hey, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. I, I haven't heard a lot of stories, um, you know, over the last five months since the national championship game. The big thing was Patterson's last season. The players just quit on him. They just, his message got a little bit bland. Um, and, and, and you saw they had a lot of talented guys there and, and it led them to the national championship. Um, so you, you do worry about that, but this Stanford team is not a team that is able to really compete in the transfer portal. It's, it's uh you know, it's a, it's a school that, that values its academics and, and really doesn't bend any rules when it comes to the transfer portal. They're trying to ease up on that. Um, now with the new coach, Troy Taylor coming in, we'll see if that ends up panning out here in a couple of years. Um, although in a couple of years, they might not even have a football program. So who knows? But, um, I, you know, they only return six guys. I, I, they're not a very talented team to begin with. Um, this roster has has really, really been um, not depleted, but just really doesn't have those those couple guys that you could call dudes anymore. Um, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey, that his his Stanford teams weren't great, but he was good enough to get them a couple wins at, uh, extra each year. So, and they just don't really have that this season. I, I think they're going to be battling for, with Colorado. But I, I think there's an excitement at Colorado, um, and they might be able to sneak a win or two out. Uh, so give me Stanford as the bottom dwellers of the Pac-12 conference. The bottom dwellers, poor thing. Yeah, that's that's who but I not had. Not much. Yeah, that's who I had as well. I'm, I'm one team that we didn't mention, so I'm just going to go ahead and run it by is Arizona State. I think that they're potentially going to have a tough tough run as well. They have a new coach as well, uh, Kenny Dillingham, in his first season there. Um, they are they've been bad. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's been bad for them uh, with uh, which the Herm Edwards experiment was just doomed from the get go. Let's be honest here. There's somebody who maybe they get the first year coach bump, or maybe it's, you know, takes a little bit of time to, to turn things over. They certainly have not been lighting the world on fire in terms of transfer portal. That's the one thing that I kind of give towards Colorado is the fact that Colorado has been lighting the world on fire with, with the transfer portal. Um, Arizona hasn't Arizona state, I should say hasn't. Um, so they're a team too, that I think at the end of the day is going to be just kind of get through it and hope you can kind of develop it onto the next year. Um, I don't think that the, the Sun Devils are going to have much to write home about. And I don't, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They don't have the easiest schedule either. So, uh, that's not going to be super fun for them in, uh, Tempe. All right. Last thing we're going to cover Pierce, your sleeper team. So this is a team that might, might shock people at the end of the day. Um, you know, they're not necessarily going to win it, but there's somebody who might make some waves. This is certainly your team, your Texas Techs of the world. Um, you know, the one who you look up and you say, hey, they kind of, they they won the games that uh, caused the, the trajectory of the, the end of the season to change a little bit. So who's your sleeper team here in the Pac-12? Well, I've already talked about them a good bit um, at the beginning of the show. And 
kind of like you hinted at Texas Tech. This team's getting a lot of love, which certainly scares me. Um, it almost makes them feel like not a sleeper team. But give me the Oregon State Beavers. Um, this is a team last year that went ten and three, nine and three in the regular season. They got that big bowl win over Florida. They had two or two of their three losses, like I mentioned earlier, were by three points to USC and Washington. Um, they returned 13 starters from, from last year's team. They add DJ Uangole. Even if he doesn't become the starter there, I still like their chances to really, um, not only play spoiler, but surprise a lot of folks and be up maybe in that top two or three when all is said and done. Um, and maybe the biggest thing for me with Oregon state this year, um, they, they avoid USC, which is a big thing because USC is the clear cut number one in the conference uh, preseason and they get Washington and Utah at home. Um, that's a big advantage. They've been 14 and five at home since COVID when they've had, you know, had crowds back. So they've got a pretty good home field advantage. The one tough road game they have is Oregon. That's a pretty manageable schedule in my opinion. Um, getting Utah who Utah's a totally different team than when they play um, at home that in that altitude. That's just a, that's one of the toughest probably the toughest environment in the Pac-12 to go on the road and play. They get Utah coming on the road where they're just they're 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 a different team. They're not as consistent. And then they get Washington um, at home, which is a big one. So I like Oregon State to be the sleeper team this year. I, I, I don't know if they count as a sleeper team because they've been talked about so much this offseason, but Oregon State has a chance to really, really um, kind of jump up into that next echelon of Pac-12 teams. My sleeper team, Pierce, is going to be Arizona. We haven't mentioned them at all. Um, not a lot of attention is paid to them. They did have a losing record last year, but I think there's somebody at the end of this season that we could look up and we can say, okay, okay, that wasn't terrible. I don't think they're going to light the world on fire, but Judd Fish is in his second year. Jaden Delora uh, is, a, is a very solid quarterback and, and runs a, a pretty efficient offense for them. Defensively, it was really bad. Uh, and I won't even lie about that. That's that's going to be kind of their downfall. But when you have a really good offense, you can potentially cause a little bit of chaos. Uh, so I could see them potentially getting the best of somebody that you're not really expecting. And, uh, you know, J- Jaden Delora comes on the scene a little bit more this season. And I could see Arizona being the team at the end of the season that we look to and go, ah, if they just hadn't lost to Arizona, then maybe they would have made the playoffs. So that's my sleeper team pick. That's a great point. And, and, and I think they get they're forgotten about because you know Jed Fish came in was a was an interesting hire obviously I believe he was the quarterback's coach at New England the Patriots he comes over struggles in the first year but they've started to get some good recruits which is a change of pace and um they they've continued to do that they got a couple good transfers i think you mentioned that they've actually done better in the transfer portal than Arizona State Justin Flo the linebacker the starting linebacker from Oregon last year has transferred over um they also have uh trade and Stooks um at cornerback who is uh who's uh you know a top six to eight cornerback potentially in that league. So, um, and, and yeah, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. That's, that's kind of what I mean about the conference of, of the quarterback. Jaden Delore is a very solid court college quarterback and he's nowhere near the top three or four list in this conference. Um, he definitely can put up some numbers in a hurry and he's got a great receiver in Jacob Cowing, who could be a potential first team all pack 12 this year um, at wide out. So um, yeah, I think that's a great team. I definitely think they sneak up and, and get a couple uh, 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 teams and upset a couple teams this season. We shall see. Um, I know that you're not really big into the uh, futures with Heisman's, but uh, real quickly, do you think that uh, if, if that was a thing that you were going to do, do you think you would just ride Caleb Williams or you you think maybe it's the field? 
So the way my mind works is yes. Okay. Short, short, easy answer is yes. I think he is the most talented player at his position and at a position that wins most of the Heisman. So yes, but the way my gambling brain works is his odds are just, you're going to have to put a good bit of money to justify, you know, doing that. And how many times has a, has a player won back to back Heisman's? I think maybe only once, maybe never. I think it's once. And so I, even if he has a great year, which he will, I just don't see them giving it to him again. Cause he's already in the club. Um, so no, my, I would not put my money on him from a betting perspective. It just doesn't, there's not as much value there, but from the top of the board standpoint, he is the leader in the clubhouse to, to bring it home again, because he's just that much better than, than most everybody else. And he's had a position that wins it most of the time. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, uh, I'm taking the field as well. I think that it's going to take something special to see a back-to-back Heisman winner, um, and if that were to happen, I think that USC is winning the national championship and I don't see that happening. So I think I would take the field as well. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it here for our pack 12 preview, just short and sweet and to the point. I love it. We will be covering the rest of the conferences in the coming weeks before we slide right into week zero coverage. And then it's off to the races. No, no, really nothing really exciting for week zero. In fact, that Saturday night looks like I might be going to, uh, the Atlanta United game that night because Nashville SC's in town, and uh, quite frankly, I don't really care about Vanderbilt in Hawaii, so I'll catch up with that stuff on uh, Sunday morning, but uh, the season's right here. I've been taking my dog on a walk every morning, and it's each morning it's felt a little cooler, a little cooler, and I'm like, okay, starting to feel like... Oh, well, y'all are lucky, because it, it does not feel like it here. I mean, I'm not saying it feels cold. I'm just saying that it doesn't feel like I'm... St- two feet from hell when I take him on a walk anymore. But we I, all, I will say we have had terrible storms. I, so that's I why ha- we have, we have, we've had bad storms too. I will say I, to your point about it getting a little cooler, I have started to anticipate that first morning of waking up and there's that crisp in the air and going, Oh boy, this is fall is right around the corner and it's, it's so close. I can taste it. I'm so sick of this uh, heat and I know we've got another couple months of it, but um, you know, you might get one or two cold mornings sprinkled in there and that's uh, fall is my, my season falls, my, uh, my favorite time of year. So everything's ramping up. The premier league starts. I know you just mentioned soccer. I wasn't going to bring it up, but the premier league starts on Friday or actually tomorrow, um, but Arsenal plays Friday and that, that kind of, you know, you got NFL games this weekend, even though they're preseason, I'm still going to watch most of them because it's just football and, and I'm excited and everything's right around the corner. It's it's quickly approaching and I couldn't be happy. If you want to know where to find Pierce, he'll be uh, sitting in uh, his recliner with his vest on watching Premier League soccer. So so that's funny. I was I didn't know if the listeners would get this, but I almost busted out the vest for today to, to break it in. Get it, get it ready for the fall weather. <laughs> that I'm just not even going to comment because anything mom taught me to not say anything if you've got nothing nice to say. So I'm just going to leave that there. We're going to wrap it up here. Make sure you're following us on social media at Brag and Pod on Twitter and Instagram or X, I should say, I guess is the new name of it. I don't really know. But follow us it. there if you're not already. We'll be interacting probably more so once the season starts, but I got some fun plans for us. So make sure you're following us. We would love to have you along for the ride until next time when we're breaking down the pack or not the pack the big 12 pierce's favorite conference in the land i'm madison and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all